Welcome to A Thousand Tiny Steps. I'm Barb Higgins, and in this podcast, I'll share personal stories of great joy and tragedy and the steps that brought me there. I have become adept at tracing them backward to find the origin of an event, good or bad, that has affected my life. I have gone from being on top of the world with Division I All-American success to being unable to get out of bed with the grief of losing a child and everything in between. I am painfully honest, which can make people uncomfortable, but discomfort brings growth and oftentimes tragedy brings joy. So tie, buckle, slip on, release up your shoes and join me as we begin our thousand tiny steps. Hey everybody, Barb Higgins here, beginning episode 36 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So as I begin this episode, I'm alone in the house, which is how it always works. That's repetitive on my part, I know. It's Gracie's birthday as I record this. So you'll be listening to this May 9th, I believe, or May 10th, Tuesday. That'd be May 10th. And Gracie's birthday will be a long thing of the past, but I recorded a podcast on Molly's birthday as well. And I remember just sitting here in this very spot, being very, very upset and really struggling with how to manage another birthday without Molly, another birthday that she's not having. So here we are, Gracie's 21st birthday on April 24th. So I've had foot surgery. I've talked about that before. And so the last couple of weeks have been horrifying. The first week after surgery was fine. But the second week, in terms of pain management, and I have metal pins sticking out of every toe I have. And when I had the surgery before, I had a wonderful working relationship with my doctor around pain medicine. And you know, they give you Percocet, which is oxycodone, which is not oxycontin, oxycodone, and it's Percocet. And so I had a, a certain number the first week, and then you get a little bit less the next week, and you work your way down. And I just assumed this would be the case. I was in a cast, which was different, and in excruciating pain. And I called for a refill, and I called back because I hadn't heard. And the nurse said, "Oh yeah, the doctor just wants you to use Tylenol now." And you know, I was seven days post-op. I was livid, so I called back and I said, "This isn't right." I want the cast taken off. This isn't, you know, I'm, are you kidding me? And he just sort of went around and around with me. Like I had had more refills than anyone in the last three years. And I had had a couple of refills, but they were five pills. Like I wasn't, you know, craving the medicine. I was really parceling it out. So I became quite upset. So they removed the cast. I still had quite a bit of pain. I have a pin, a metal pin that pokes out. And it, when I move wrong, it really jabs me like I jump. And so they're going to remove that tomorrow. So in the midst of all of this, fighting over the pain medicine, I really had some trauma triggers that I want to address and sort of how they related to Jack. So right around, you know, Molly's death was a huge piece of not being listened to or being dismissed or being ignored or just being denied what I was asking for. And that's a really hard place to feel when you've lost a child. So I love my foot doctor. He's a wonderful human being, and he's probably following some protocol that may or may not make sense to him. But This situation put a horrible strain on our relationship and I have to see him tomorrow as he takes out a pin for my foot early. So rather than give me medicine to manage my pain and let my foot heal the way it should or the way he prescribed it to heal, he removed a cast, which makes me less safe. And he's taking a pin out, which is coming out early. He's he's changing the protocol and the treatment of my foot instead of just prescribing me a small amount of pain medicine to get me through the next couple of weeks. I find that bizarre. It also really, really puts me in a weird place because I'm just not being listened to. And anyone that's had to ask for pain medicine knows how humiliating that can feel. You're in agony and you're being looked at like you're crazy. And the thing about pain is it makes you a bit crazy. I cry, I get frustrated, I'm upset. And mostly I just want the knifing pain in my foot to go away. 
I don't expect that surgery recovery is pain-free. I'm not foolish that way. But this was a very, very upsetting and triggering time. Finally, in my desperation, when I said, is there nothing between Tylenol and Percocet? There has to be something in the middle there that can help me. And he, he prescribed another medicine for me. And while it doesn't take the pain away like, like a pain medicine would, it's like an anti-inflammatory, but it's very, very strong. It has made it tolerable enough that I can manage, that I actually get two or three hours of sleep at a time. And then I can wake up, take some medicine, go back to sleep and actually sleep again. I had like four nights in a row where I was wide awake from three in the morning until it was time to get up. So that was helpful, but that has been a horrible, it's been a horrible seven days for me. Tomorrow will mark two weeks since my surgery. And it's just the first seven days were manageable or maybe the first six days. And then it's been just a nightmare. On top of that, my Instagram account was hacked. Again, I, I just felt like I was stripped naked in front of somebody. It's a horrible feeling. I, I have Molly stuff on there. I, I was afraid I would lose everything. I have learned so much about security around Instagram and, and how to keep your account safe and what not to do. And I just, I got a message from somebody that I thought I knew and I clicked on a link and that was it. That's all it took for those people to get my account. When I messaged her, she had lost her account as well. So those two things were going on. I was in 100% pain and my Instagram account was hacked. And so these two things were big, big curtains between me as a mother and my ability to care for Jack as a baby. Ultimately, what I ended up doing was just doing a lot of sitting and holding Jack and, you know, and spending time on my phone trying to fix the Instagram account and get it back and trying to keep a chart of how many Tylenol I've taken so I don't overdose on that. I mean, it was really, really, really intense and really rough. And not surprisingly, this time of the year is a really, really tough time and the days line up. So each day last week, this past week, was a day leading up to me leaving for Amsterdam with Roy. Sunday, I went to a Red Sox game with David Parker and that was a full day away from my kids and it angered everybody that we knew. And it was just a Red Sox game, but you know, I didn't tell everyone who I was going with and you know, it just became a nightmare and that was Sunday. Then Monday, I went back to Boston with my friend Robin to the marathon, which was fine. But again, it was leave at the crack of dawn, not home until nighttime. So another full day that I don't see Gracie and Molly. Those are hard for me. Tuesday was a normal work day. So Tuesday of this year, I was struggling. I was struggling with the pain medicine situation and wanting to go to my CrossFit class, but not being able to because of the amount of pain I was having and all of that. So Wednesday was the day that I drove to Marblehead with $2,500 to say to Roy, I can't go on this trip. I can't do this to my family. Here's money for the trip. And we, he wouldn't take the money and we fought and then we reconciled and we went out for lunch and we had this wonderful afternoon in which I decided, okay, fine, I'll go to Amsterdam, which of course I drive home and I've got two upset daughters and well, the girls didn't really know about it yet, but Kenny did and he didn't want me to go and it was just terribly upsetting. And then Thursday was sort of a normal work day, you know, trying to get everything done and, you know, figure out, you know, arrangements for the girls. I spent all of that day that week setting up a schedule for the girls so that they, they would have the best week ever when I was gone, places for them to go, things for Kenny to do. And then Friday of that week was my last day of work. David Parker didn't really want me to go either. It was just this, you know, constant pull of my life and the people in my life. The school that I was working at, even though it was vacation week, there was a lot to do. I was just sort of ditching all of that. Kenny wanted me home because he didn't want me to go with Roy and, you know, he wanted the girls to be okay. And then, you know, Molly hadn't been feeling well. And then, 
you know, Roy had planned this beautiful trip and paid for it and wanted me to go. And so I went. So that, so Friday was that. During that week, I'd also celebrated Gracie's birthday because I was going to miss it. And I bought them tickets to the Dolan Twins, which at the time were huge online, you know, success. And Molly and Gracie were just big fans. And I got four tickets and they were trying to decide who would they bring as their friends. It was on Long Island at this theater. We ended up going and Gracie took Aaron and Kenny and I went. So anyway, that was the week. And so that week of my life in 2016 was incredibly stressful. I drank too much. That was one of the trips to the doctor that Thursday. So this Thursday, 2022, I'm lying in the office with my leg in the air, begging for pain medicine, just pleading with the doctor, please help me. This can't, I'm not okay. I'm not better. I was crying and crying. I spent like two and a half hours trying to get help there on, you know, (laughs) on a day six years earlier that I had come home, Molly was throwing up. So I brought my students home with me. I let them play in the yard. I'm up in the bathroom with Molly and boom, she's better. Bingo, she's better. And that's sometimes how migraines can be. It's also how cranial fluid functions. And I didn't take Molly to the doctor because I had, in the words of my manager at Parker, I'd missed too much work already. So I had Kenny take them. Now, not that Kenny didn't do a good job at the doctor's, but I am fastidious with detail. And I think that doctor's appointment would have gone differently had I gone. Molly came home being accused of being anorexic. And it was this horrible, it was just a horrible day. She cried and cried and cried. She's not anorexic. She gained five pounds between her two appointments. You know, she's seriously not anorexic. But at any rate, I'm having this stressful week in 2022, which mirrors almost identically 2016. So Saturday, that was yesterday, is the day that I left. And I remember that was that my long conversation with Molly in the door about, you know, I know you're going, I knew you were going. I saw the passport application. You know, it's, I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed. I wish you weren't going. And she was initially mad at me and not going to hug me goodbye. And I'm like, you know, Molly, you really want to hug me goodbye because if something happened to me, you know, you would feel terrible. And so we hugged and we loved you. I love you. I love you. It's okay. And, and I left. Roy came to pick me up at about 10 in the morning and we spent the day shopping. And, you know, I think back on that too. Like, why didn't I just stay home and not go down to the airport until it was time to leave? But I just was pulled and I just did, did as I was told sometime by everybody. And, and this time my choice was Roy. And that was the choice I made. It was a big, big choice. Was it the right choice? I don't know. It was the right choice for, for Roy and me at that time, but was it right for anyone else? I don't know. So that was yesterday in terms of the podcast recording, April 23rd. And I have a picture and it's a great picture. We're at Logan airport and we're, we're having wine and cheese in the airport waiting for our flight. And I took a selfie and I'm cracking up laughing and he's smiling behind me. And it's really a beautiful picture. And if all the extraneous circumstances around our relationship and what made it, didn't exist, you would look at that picture and think those two people are really having a good time with one another. And today, Gracie's birthday, I was in Amsterdam and I did burpees in a tunnel and we checked into the hotel and we just walked all around and we had this, a wonderful day. And Amsterdam is an amazing city. So much of Europe is so beautiful and so rich with history and time. And, but I was away when I came back and Molly had died and I combined our cameras, you know, the, the dates line up. So here's three pictures that I took and then two pictures that Molly took because they were taken at the same time. It was just intense. And so that's where I'm at right now. I'm not in tears today. I could be because my foot's on fire, but I'm reliving stressful times and being triggered traumatically at a week that was very trauma-filled six years ago. And then, you know, next week is, would be school vacation week and, and I'm in Amsterdam. And so that's how this coming week will be. Each day will be a reminder of that day, something that happened on that day. And it's tricky sometimes. We're, we're living it as it happened. 
And, you know, every episode, I think I say the more things change, the more they stay the same or stop running into a wall and expecting it to break this time or, you know, all of those things I say about insanity. It's been an interesting lesson. So in terms of being a mother with all of this, you know, I had traumatic times with Gracie and Molly and I had rough patches and I lost my job. Always, 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 I wanted to present to Gracie and Molly a stable life and happiness that their things would not be changed or they would remain unfettered, that I would manage my my trauma and they would be fine. And I think I would change that, I don't think. Molly and Gracie, essentially, once they get old enough to realize that things weren't right with Kenny and I, things got different for them. But for the most part, they really had a happy childhood. Their elementary years were fine. You know, I come into this episode talking about, you know, the family unit and how is that different with Gracie and Molly than as it is now. And I would say probably the biggest difference is all of my relatives that are my age, my cousins and aunts and uncles and all that, my current generation have children Gracie's age and our children haven't started having children yet. So Jack is kind of in the middle. There aren't any babies. Gracie has tons of cousins her age, you know, 20, 21. There's a whole group, Trinity, Gracie, coming up in the summer will be her cousin. There were all these cousins and they would be young parents, but they could be parents now and they aren't. So there aren't any babies for Jack to play with that he's related to other than Kenny's children's kids. He has, there are tons of babies on that side of the family. In terms of his relatives, his daddy relatives, there are lots of babies. So our family unit is weird because we, we're not connected to them. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping this time goes along and perhaps by the time this podcast airs that we have a better connection. So this morning while I was at the gym, as best I can with, with a foot, I did some modified burpees. Kenny went to visit Davey, his son Davey, and his son Ryder. He turned two in August or July. So he's a bit older than, than Jack-Jack, but they played together. Jack loved all his toys. Ryder was playing. Kenny and Davey could visit. I want this to be a regular thing, not because I need Kenny and Jack-Jack out of the house, but I want him to know his family. You know, Jack's last name is Banzoff. Ryder's last name is Banzoff. They're related. There are not a lot of Banzoffs in New Hampshire or really anywhere, you know, so I want him to know his family. We haven't been to Pennsylvania yet, and that's, that's something that needs to happen. We, we went to Pennsylvania fairly quickly after Gracie and Molly both were born. They were, they visited those relatives as infants, you know, so that, that's a visit that I hope will come up soon. And in terms of here, so I've had this stressful week. So who's provided me help? Well, when I had this surgery, this very same surgery years ago, my mother was a full-time childcare for me. So she was over here all the time. I was never alone with the kids. Kenny was working full-time. So he didn't provide a lot of day-to-day care at all. And I think sometimes he's doesn't realize how much was done for him, meaning was done for his family. He could come home and show up and everything was ready for him to step in and do his role. And he's that way sometimes now. He doesn't realize how much is done. For example, I'm on crutches and I can't pick up in the evening. And I always, I learned this from my mother. You just go to bed, you pick up the clutter before you go to bed. I just think, I don't know that Kenny even noticed that it got picked up all the time, but it has been a mess, a disaster. And Kenny sort of looked at it and chuckled. And I didn't say anything because the angry part of me was like, you see how much I clean up? I'm not doing it and it's not getting done. That was like the angry part of me. And Kenny looked at it and he goes, wow, I guess I really do see what you do around here now. You know, like here it is because it's not, it's not done. That took away the anger a little bit, but, I, but it's hard sometimes when you're the only one doing things. My mother is still a huge piece of my support system, but she's 80. So, you know, having my mother take Jack for a drive so he can sleep, that can't happen. You know, she probably wouldn't feel comfortable driving with a baby in the car. And she may not really be suitable for driving a baby in a car. You know, she's not, 
her vision and such isn't right. So I wouldn't do that. So, so while she's here and she can play with Jack here, oftentimes I still need to help her out. In terms of support for Jack, we have the childcare, which I've talked about. Very big break for Kenny and I, good break for my mother. The days that she can help, she can be totally on and spend a few hours helping. Another thing I'm starting to do, and you know, I'm reluctant to ask for help, is Gracie has a ton of friends that she met in her early childhood classes. And they offer all the time to come help. So she has one friend, Kaylee, who is with Kenny right now in the car with Jack. He's, he's taking a nap. And Kenny's initial thought was, well, great. We'll just drive around. Maybe Kaylee can help you here. And I said, no, I have to do a podcast. What's a list of things you need to do? So it was a long conversation. And this is where Kenny struggles. I don't know if it's executive functioning. I don't know if it's just the ability to multitask. He's a one thing at a time person. And he gets you know, mixed up along the way on what he's doing and when he should be doing it. So I sat with them and I said, no, you'll have Kaylee in the car. Where do you need to go? What errands do you have? He goes, well, I have to get medicine at Walgreens. Well, but I can drive through. I said, fine, what else? And Kaylee's like, I would love a coffee. I'm like, okay, so there's Duncan's. What else? You never got the blinds. Well, I'd have to go into Lowe's. I said, yes. And Kaylee could either drive around with Jack until you texted her that you were done or sit in the car with him while it runs so that he stays asleep. Where else do you need to go? What else? Well, we really should plant those flowers at the grave. Perfect. So we made a list of tasks. So now Kenny and Kaylee and Jack are out of here and I can record the podcast. But I had to organize that. I had to say, okay, let's think about this now because Kenny would have just gladly taken Kaylee and gone and driven around. And none of those things would have been done. And that ride probably would have ended sooner than later. And I wouldn't be done recording the podcast and he'd be angry or frustrated in the driveway wanting to come into the house. This is how, how it is with Jack and how it's different than it was with Gracie and Molly. I don't have a job that I go to. I don't have the infrastructure of an entire extended family in the same generational phase as I am. Nine million cousins at the same time. It's different. I didn't rely on my extended family with Molly and Gracie, but any family gathering was full of babies and then full of kids and then full of elementary kids and then full of teenagers. It's changed that way. It's very, very different. I talked before and I, and I talked on a couple of TV episodes about how Jack's nuclear family, his mother, his father, his sister, me, you know, him, is almost like a grandparents, parents, grandchild situation just based on our ages. And so he gets the cultural and the social reflections and norms and things that Gracie experiences, as well as the ones we get and then the ones that Kenny gets. He has that like multi-generational thing, which is totally different than Gracie and Molly. With Gracie and Molly, we were really, you know, your typical nuclear family. And maybe I was one of the older mothers on the playground, but not by a lot. I will be the oldest mother on the playground when Jack-Jack heads off to kindergarten. It'll be very different. That's true. The other thing that's quite different, and this is more of a political social thing now, is that with all of the political strife and the huge divide between Republicans and Democrats, and really almost the hatred of American against American, when you have leaders that foster hatred, your country is lost. And I, that is something that I worry about with Jack. The big thing in New Hampshire right now is we have a DOE commissioner, Frank Edelblue, who is very, very conservative, very re Republican, and quite honestly, very anti-public education. He is not a supporter of public education whatsoever. What he wants to do is take money from public education to provide parents with other free opportunities for their families. Well, I think free opportunities for schooling is wonderful. Quality education should not be limited to the rich. But decimating public education so that it is the worst it can be to justify 
other forms of education, paying tuition to charter schools, paying for religious schools. Charter schools are free. So having more charter schools is fine, but not if it takes away from the public school. So it's this whole, it's this whole divide. And then there's a new thing now about telling teachers how and what they can teach. And so with all of the racism issues that are going on and the classism issues and gender equity, there is so much right now in humanity that's being redefined, which I love. Change is ugly and, and difficult sometimes, but when the ugly difficult is done, the other side is beautiful. And so all of the, all of the transgender efforts and the, what used to be gay, straight, lesbian alliance and just the acceptance of how people view themselves gender-wise and how families are built. Nuclear families are very different. Two moms or two dads is not unusual now. Jack is growing up in a very different world. And I've said before that what I want for him is to understand that we are all, in my mind, children of God, that we are all equal in the eyes of whatever the Lord is or whatever the universe is. However you believe, our value isn't defined on our vaginas and penises or on our paycheck amount or where our house is or whether we're Republican or Democrat or what church we go to. Matters not. These are details that we choose based on our experiences. And that's a huge, a huge difference with Gracie and Molly than it is now with Jack. And so how am I raising him as a mother? What do I want for him? And what, what world is he going to go into? And what is he going to learn at school? And my village is very different. You know, my village, when Gracie and Molly were little, were oftentimes friends, parents of kids their age. Now, Jack is a baby. I haven't gone to any baby groups yet. I haven't gone to little baby music groups. I haven't gone up. There's a sensory place here in Concord now, crazy kids, all these places to go where you can play with your kids. You know, gymnastics, gyms. I haven't done any of that yet. He's big enough now that it's time to, I think. That's where I think I will start to meet other parents and extend my village. It's very, very different. Another thing that comes to mind with me that's very, very sensitive is I get a lot of feedback on social media around Gracie having to raise Jack. I spent a lot of time raising my, my siblings. My family was extremely, extremely dysfunctional and trauma-based and, and we functioned hanging on a string. And I spent, I was nine when I bathed and dressed my brother and sister and took them to childcare in the morning and changed their diapers and fed them breakfast. And then I went to school because my mother was at work and my father was not able to help. He got himself ready. My brother Rick got himself ready. And that left me the mother and be the parent, you know, the wife and the mother, nine-year-old Barb. And that was a really difficult place for me to be. When I look at Jack, one of the reasons I'm really glad Gracie is away, it's not that I don't want her near Jack, but I don't want her to assume parental duties for Jack. I don't want her to ever think she has to raise Jack. That would be really, really difficult for me. You know, when I look at, you know, just all of it, just the culture in which he is going to be a part of, the society that he's going to grow into, and his family, what does his family look like? Well, right now his family is Kenny and Kaylee in the car. I hope she comes over a lot more. I think that Jack needs young mothers. <laughs> and if something were to happen to us, it would be nice for the people in his life to be connected to Gracie. I do know that my village will grow as Jack gets out into society more. I share him a lot on this podcast. I share him in every way that I can. One major difference that comes to mind when I talk about the trauma and the sharing is I kept a lot from Gracie and Molly. And, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to keep a lot of things from Jack. And I've talked about that before. Sometimes I feel like I'm redundant because I talk about so many things. But sitting here today on Gracie's birthday, knowing that the help I received as a mother was from my mother and from a friend of Gracie's and from Kenny, I basically feel good about that. I feel that Jack has a wide variety of people that he loves. He loves my mother. When she arrived, he ditched Kaylee in a heartbeat. 
And when, when my mother had to use the bathroom, he cried like he, you know, his toy had fallen into the river. It was just, it was just, you know, he loves her. When Gracie's on FaceTime, he's kissing the phone. He has these strong connections and that makes me really happy. Very, very happy. I've traveled a lot with Jack and I didn't do that with Gracie and Molly. He went to Disney at five weeks. A lot of my staying busy and having Jack, the time has come to process everything that I haven't processed since Molly died. And really, when I think of a thousand tiny steps and the purpose of this podcast is to trace back, when did it start? Sort of reflecting on how I'm a different parent compared to then and all of this is wonderful. But I think sometimes, how does this fit into my journey to find the beginning of the end of Molly? How does my parenting of Jack you know, really fit into this. And so two major things came up for me. So one is I talk a lot about not being able to sit still. Well, I have to sit still. I have to sit still if I'm going to process and really learn what, what I went through in my raising of Gracie and Molly. When I think to my job loss and my connection to Roy, Molly and Gracie were in first and third and then second and fourth grade when that all really started. When my job loss occurred, they had just started second and fourth grade. You know, they were little, they were little young, young children. And Molly's death, they were now young adults. Molly was 13 and Gracie 15. So from Molly being six, turning seven, and Gracie being eight, turning nine, to 13 and 15, my family life was trauma-filled because I had lost my job and I was spending a significant amount of time with Roy. And so much of my thinking became panic-based. In researching, I'm writing a book about a lot of these things. And when I look back at old emails and things, I realized just how, how fragile I was and, and how, how desperate I was to maintain a safe facade here and not lose Roy in this utter panic of holding on to everything as tight as I could. That had to affect Molly and Gracie. In the beginning of my having Jack, Jack's birth actually, in those first few months, I was going through a lot of that same trauma with Roy about how do we stay friends and how do we stay connected and how do we speak with one another? And and I can't go into detail about all that right now, but it was a really hard place for me in the first months of Jack's life. Really, really bad. And so traveling, going to Disney and really, really focusing on the things I had focused on since Molly died and really trying to focus on a family unit for Jack. Where I am emotionally and mentally is really no better than it was when I lost my job. What I do have is a lot of work and a lot of desire to take a step back and look at it and analyze it. I was talking to... This beautiful woman, Shauna, I'll just use your first name. Shauna, I love you so. And we met online. We just met on Facebook and we have a lot in common. And she brought clothes over for our clothing drive. And she was talking about some of the same things that she's just going through these things and, and how she doesn't really feel like she's made any progress. And, and my response to her was, but you can step back and recognize it. You're, you're commenting on your own trauma, on your own activity, on your own choices. You're not lost in it. And that's how I feel now. I do not feel lost in it like I did the two weeks before Molly died, when I said to myself one day on the porch, my life is going to blow up if I continue living like this, not knowing that Molly would be the bomb. Jack, in my efforts to not be a traumatized mother while I'm raising him, quite honestly, has, have probably failed. I get so upset sometimes and he sees me upset. The expressions on his face are so tender. He's not afraid of me. He look at him and you realize he feels bad for me and he wants to comfort me. I don't want to put trauma into a newborn's nervous system, into his psyche. And he takes in so much. Babies understand so much. I didn't have this kind of trauma when Molly and Gracie were infants. You know, I had a fairly stable marriage with Kenny. Things were good. His dad got sick when Molly was born. He, we had some trauma around that. But I had my normal life, my maternity leave, teaching half time, my mother coming over. It was the white picket fence life. And I even had the white picket fence. 
So in terms of dealing with all that trauma around Jack and how I raise a traumaless baby, well, you don't. We have a world full of trauma. But I do know that what I need to teach Jack is mindfulness, how to be still and look at things. When I really start to lose my shit and I'm alone with Jack, I'll drop everything and just pick him up. Okay, Jack, Jack, let's just sit. And we will, and we'll snuggle. Sometimes he'll nurse. And it's just sitting still and slowing down. That's been my life lesson. Barbara, you have to slow down. So I am not slow in my life right now. I have, a, I have a list of things to do that's a mile long. How I have to be different is I have to learn to ask for help. So I'm looking into a lot of things. So I have this podcast editor who's phenomenal, who has organized, organized, organized. It couldn't be any easier. And yet I still struggle. I had Kaylee come over today. And while my mother was playing with Jack, I had her help me. She just helped me. She helped me organize my office. She helped me get together. She talked me through things I could talk about. It was amazing. It was amazing. So I'll do a better job over the next few days, it's my hope, in getting things done for my web design person and my podcast editor, who's also helped me organize my blogs. I have two or three amazing ideas to write. And again, it's one of these things where I create this chaos for me and I can't, can't produce what I need to produce. In mothering Jack, my feeling is I have to have a level, level of honesty with him and a level of reality with him that what he sees is the truth and not a fake happy family or a fake nuclear family or a fake stable mother. He has to see what, what exists. And the best thing for Jack is he is so loved. Oh my God, he loves me. He loves Kenny. He's a happy, happy baby. He plays with a huge smile on his face all the time. And he is smart and he is wonderful. You know, in terms of my thousand tiny steps, Jack is a piece of it now. Jack is a part of my journey as to A, what is, what is he supposed to do while he's here? And B, what am I supposed to do while he's here? So the next few weeks, you're going to listen to this on May 10th. So May 10th, 2016 was the first Molly B Monday was May 9th and the entire city wore pink, city at school district. And then May 11th was Molly's funeral at the graveside, her graveside service. That I haven't shared with too many people. I have a video recording of it. I have hundreds, hundreds of pictures. I had my friend Aaron come and take those pictures because I wanted to document it. This was my daughter's funeral. I didn't want it to disappear in my head. Her death is just as important to me as her life. And so going through the pictures has been traumatic. I mean, they're profound. This day that you're listening to this podcast was sort of one of those days where I was planning things and Molly's funeral was phenomenal. And I was planning all these things. And then the funeral day came, that was the 11th of May. So all these podcasts that you'll listen to, you'll be listening to while I'm processing death week, all the days at the hospital and, and taking Molly off life support and all of those things. And now I have a baby. And I'm dealing with this sweet, sweet baby going through all the activities and things around Molly. How am I doing that differently than I did similar things with Gracie and Molly? You know, I lost my job and all the money and, and I still just put the facade on that things were fine. I've said again, I think that's the right thing to have done at the time. But I can't put a facade on anymore. And I can't ignore, I can't make believe everything's fine. I can't lie to Kenny to go see Roy and I can't lie to Roy to stay with Kenny. And I can't, you know, like, what am I doing? And, you know, really for most of those years, I chose, I chose Roy and created a facade for my family. And none of that was okay. It wasn't okay for anybody. So, you know, it's not that black and white. I mean, they were just, I can't divest into, I think I'm getting off track here, but, but Jack comes into my life when I'm starting to fix it, when I'm truly starting to analyze and fix the choices I made and owning, owning what I need to own and demanding ownership for the things that others should own. Sometimes it's, it's difficult to get that ownership. I have people in my life that really refuse to take ownership for any of it. So that's where I am today on April 24th, Gracie's birthday. She's with my sister. 
celebrating around the world at Epcot, way south. And I'm, you know, wishing I was with her terribly. But at the same time, having a wonderful day. Jack, as of now, which is April 24th, is just really beginning to have control of his body. And he loves it, walking and climbing and, you know, standing up. He stands up on his little slides and delivers speeches. He's, been, he's phenomenal and just tremendous. Me, personally, I go tomorrow to have more surgery on my foot. I think having all of these things thrown at me at once in a week that was a terrible week six years ago has been a lot. I've lost a lot of sleep. It's nice having Jack, though. I have to be honest, when he snuggles up in bed, he's sound asleep and I'm wide awake. It really, truly helps me. So I know that all of us have trauma and all of us yell at our kids. I have a friend who is wonderful with her children. And then sometimes when she thinks no one's listening, just screams and yells at them. And, you know, it's easy to judge. It's easy to be judgmental until you're in that place where you're just so upset you don't know what to do. I have another friend whose her life is creative chaos all the time. Six kids, six different activities, driving all over. A tremendous help to me, actually. And she... She saves her yelling and screaming for when she's alone <laughs> and she manages to make it work that way. So, you know, here I am trying to slow down and teach Jack mindfulness and how to enjoy the moment and enjoy what he's gained now while his mother does a podcast and writes a blog and goes to CrossFit and coaches CrossFit and is organizing track camp and doing a million things. Have I really slowed down? I don't know, but I am working on it. So I'm going to end here. I feel sometimes this was a bit rambly and I'll re-listen to it and feel better about it afterwards, I'm sure. It's hard for me, you know, this, just this season talking about just Jack, it's hard for me to just self-reflect and talk about myself in this kind of way. It's easy for me to tell a story that has a meaning for something else. It's interesting. So this is good self-reflection. But I'm going to end with some other things. So we're coming up on the month of May. Well, it's May 9th now by the time you've heard it. So we've, we're having a clothing drive. I'm going to talk about that now because that's still going on as you hear it. Please look around your house and gather up any clothes that you do not wear anymore, shoes you don't wear, boots, small household items, vases, books, dishes, silverware, things that you no longer use that are sitting around. Bag them and box them up and bring them to my house. If you need my address, private message me or call me or text me and I'll give you my address. All of these things will raise money for the Molly B Foundation. Please consider donating to the Molly B Foundation. I have a website, mollybfoundation.org or just Google Molly Banzoff. There's a link, give butter link on my Facebook page. You can write a check and, and, and mail it to the Molly B Foundation. Her address is on the, on the website. All of these things are desperately important. The theater company that the Molly B Foundation supports is looking to go into year round and we can start to use theater as a means for children to cope with stress and trauma and grief. It's a huge, huge opportunity for the foundation to really grow and be big and be involved with something important. And so RB Productions and the Molly B Foundation help one another and stay united forever and always. This requires money. I'm still working on big, big ways to raise money that are events that are fun that people can come to. And I would love suggestions. If you have an interest in helping support the Molly B Foundation, I'd be interested in hearing that as well. We've already celebrated Molly's death and Rachel's death. It was a day later, May 8th, and trying to hope they're happy in heaven. Things coming up. If you go onto the website, the Molly B Foundation website or on my Facebook page, you will see all sorts of activities that are coming up. But I really would love for you to donate to the Molly B Foundation. This time of year, we give scholarships at the high school. We give awards at the middle school and her elementary school. We buy pink violins. It's a time where we really do spend the money that we've raised on children and programs in our community. And I would love it if you would consider being a part of that. I know this is a podcast and it's a different part of my life, but it's important to me and it's important to Molly. 
and all those who loved her. I'm going to finish up this episode. I do have to conclude too with just saying that I was a good mother in many ways to Gracie and Molly. Yes, Molly died and there's a part of me that will punish myself forever. And Gracie has struggled and not been happy, but she is a successful, wonderful young lady. Jack is a happy baby and he's healthy and I grew him. And I want to thank all the people involved in that process, in my IVF process, because there is a list a mile long of people who contributed to that and made that possible. And I will do my best job to give Jack a happy life. Will it be a perfect trauma-free life? No. Will it be a stress-free life? No. Will it be a grief-free life? No, because that's an irrational thought. It's impossible to get through an entire lifetime without ever having been sad or afraid or struggling or perhaps traumatized. And I hope whatever trauma he has, it isn't horrifying and he, and he can survive it just fine. I would love to prevent those things from happening, but they happen. And I think sometimes they're part of what makes us grow. I will, in my life, hopefully Jack can watch me rectify and put closure on relationships and activities and choices. He's also going to see his mother really, really create a self-driven brand or presence online and in life and out with people that will help others deal with the things I've dealt with. Grief, trauma, having a baby at 57, and all that goes along with that. I'm taking steps. I have joined a little circle of women that are entrepreneurs and they meet once a week and talk online and they have like an entrepreneurial coach. Her name is Lisa and she seems wonderful and I'm stepping slowly into that. I'm excited about it. By the time you hear this again, I will have met a couple of times with this group. I'm maintaining my KK connection and trying to stay connected spiritually. So I'm doing all these things. I feel like so much of what I'm doing is trying to make me better so I can repair what I broke and ask what others broke to be repaired by them and, and have really good closure on things and to grow as a human being and to share my message, all of those things. In the meantime, raise a baby, get fit, coach CrossFit. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday, Gracie, even though by the time you hear this, it'll be May night. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. As always, try to take care of yourself. Try to do nice things for yourself. Do something nice for yourself first, then help do something nice for someone else. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting A Thousand Tiny Steps. I hope you enjoyed the episode and will continue to listen. Feel free to leave a review and share my stories with your friends. Also, please reach out if you have stories to share. I love hearing from and connecting with my listeners. If you would like to know what I'll be talking about down the road, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, www.1000tinysteps.com.